0: the pastors here at this church, and I have the wonderful privilege of bringing to you God's word this morning. And if you have been with us for the past month of May, we've been going through a sermon series titled, Our Great Healer, as we witness together God's healing miracles throughout scripture and apply what that means for you and me here living on this side of glory. And today we are concluding this series with a healing miracle account from the book of Acts. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 3. We'll be reading through verses 1 through 10, and let us all stand as an act of God's worship and reading of God's holy and most perfect word this morning. This is God's word for you and me from Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You may be seated. Let's pray one more time together. Father, would you open our hearts now and open our eyes to see the glorious truth of your word. And Lord, we thank you for giving your word that can be our anchor and hope on this broken side of glory, full of suffering and sickness and death. So Father, we pray that you would use this word to comfort us today. We pray all of this in Christ's name, amen. Well, the passage that we just read is a very well-known passage, especially verse six in the King James Version is famously says, silver and gold, Have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. And our passage today is actually the very first miracle account after Jesus resurrected and ascended into heaven by the apostles at this point. And what's interesting about the book of Acts, we've been going through the gospel account, we went through 2 Kings. But what's interesting about the book of Acts is that the book doesn't primarily give you and me patterns to imitate or even avoid. The book of Acts isn't telling you and me to be more like the apostles or be, not be like the beggar. Instead, as one pastor put it, the book of Acts repeatedly calls us to reflect upon the work of God, fulfilled in Jesus Christ, establishing the church by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are invited to enter and participate in a story much bigger than we are. And this morning, church, we are invited to enter into this miracle of the lame beggar at the temple And hopefully, we can find comfort, joy, and healing in our great healer today as we reflect upon this passage together. So I want to do this in three ways. First, we'll take a look at the cripple and see how similar you and I are to this man. And a second, we'll dive deeper into the miracle itself and not just stay on the surface of it, but go deeper into this miracle. And lastly, we'll reflect on this account and see the result of God's miracle or salvation for the lame. So again, first, we'll take a look at the cripple. And secondly, we'll take a look at the miracle. I wanted to rhyme on this last one. I couldn't find the word. We'll look at the result. First, the cripple. Read with me verse two one more time. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. So the main character of our story today is this lame crippled man who was crippled from birth and literally in the greek it says from the mother's womb and if you drop down in the next chapter verse 22 luke records in the book of acts that this man was more than 40 years old so imagine from birth for more than 40 years this man has never experienced walking let alone standing and all his leg muscles have atrophied and had to be carried by his friends and his family all the time and i remember back in my freshman year in college, over winter break, I got bit by a spider on both my calves. And for a week, I thought it was just a mosquito bite, so I kept itching it and itching it. You're not supposed to do that, but I did. And it got bigger and bigger to the size of softballs, two in my calves. And it was so painful. And towards the end of the week, uh, I remember watching a movie with my family downstairs and I got up to stand to go back to my room and I immediately collapsed because I couldn't feel anything on my legs. I couldn't stand on my own. And so that led to a Minor operation, um, gross oozing out of all the infection from my calves, taking antibiotics, but also what I remember the most about this incident was how my dad had to literally carry me on his back every time I had to go to the bathroom, had to go back to my room, whatever I needed. And I share this because those two weeks, 14 days, I felt so helpless. Couldn't go to the bathroom, I had to call my dad, a grown man, an 18-year-old freshman, asking my dad, can you piggyback me so I can go to the bathroom? But imagine, friends, this cripple in our passage who had to depend on and be carried by his friends and family, not just 14 days, but 40 years and more. He couldn't go to the bathroom himself. Even at the temple where he was begging, imagine if the sun, summer, uh, summer sun was beaming down on him. All he can do at best is crawl to a shade, or he just had to stay there, get burned until his friends or family can help him out. Physically, utterly helpless. But not only that, this man was probably a beggar most likely from the moment he became an adult. While all his friends were working, growing up, creating their own families, all he could do was be carried to the temple and beg on the ground. Imagine the emotional toll, emotional damage that he had by being looked down upon and even worse, being ignored every day for years because the most normal human response to the presence of a beggar friends is to look the other way to ignore them and not acknowledge his or her presence. And this man was definitely one of the lowest of the lowest people in that city, known as that beggar at the gate that's called Beautiful Gate. That was his identity. He was needy, he was poor, he was lame, he was crippled that no one loved. And if that's not bad enough, the text shows us today that this man was dropped off at the outside gate Called the beautiful gate you see he not only never walked in his entire life begged every day for money on the ground he never went beyond this gate into the nearer presence of God in the temple where he was not only lowly and marginalized handicapped physically emotionally beaten down and damaged from being humiliated to beg for silver and gold on the ground but he was spiritually an outsider as well on the fringe on the outside always watching people walk right past him into the temple, into the nearer presence of God. And sisters and brothers, there may be some of you, all of us even, that resonate with this cripple in one way or another. Because maybe you or your loved one has been dealing with some sort of illness, a chronic disease, cancer, a physical disability that that keeps you from doing certain activities or simply even COVID, That restricts us from living our lives freely like we used to before and you wonder, if only I had a healthy body. Or some of you today may have been emotionally beaten down by your circumstances and have lived through much humiliation like this lame beggar with so much loss of confidence when you compare yourself to more happier, other successful, well-off people, maybe people here even in the church. Or some of you here in this room feel spiritually marginalized. Maybe it's that deep and dark and secret sin in your heart that you have such a hard time getting over and doubt if God really welcomes you into his presence with forgiveness and grace. Or you feel like you belong just on the outskirts of God's presence because you don't feel worthy or holy enough. Maybe because of a sin that's been committed against you by someone else and you feel like just outside that gate of the presence of God is where you belong. And friends, if you fit in any of these categories of feeling like the crippled today and wonder if there's any hope, if if anyone really sees you and cares if anyone can help, there's good news for you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Read with me verse four. And Peter directed his gaze at him as did John and said, look at us. When everyone else in the busiest time of the day in the temple are probably just ignoring the cripple. They've seen him every day, calling out for money. Peter and John stop in the middle of their busyness and turn to the man. In the Greek, it literally said they stared at the man. They looked intently, not just by passing, but intently at this man. You see, Peter and John aren't too holy or too powerful or too popular to simply ignore this cripple. Instead, what do they do? They pause. They stoop low to the level of this cripple on the ground and they look at him intently with eyes of compassion and mercy. Why? You see, because no other people would understand better about this overwhelming, radical, supernatural compassion and mercy of the Lord Jesus than Peter and John. Because when they were spiritually crippled and lame in their sins, when they were lost in their ways and their sins even when peter betrayed jesus 3 times and couldn't stand the shame and the guilt even then jesus wasn't too holy for peter and john jesus wasn't too busy for his friends jesus ate and dined and fellowship with tax collectors and prostitutes and those marginalized and the outcast and even the lame and the lepers you see peter and john were simply imitating what they learned from their lord out of the overflow of mercy and compassion they first received from jesus their hearts couldn't help but spill that same mercy and compassion onto this man and as Dane Ortland writes about this compassion of christ he says this is deeper than saying jesus is loving or merciful or gracious you see the cumulative testimony of the four gospels is that when jesus christ sees the fallenness of the world all about him, his deepest impulse, his most natural instincts is to move toward that sin and suffering, not away from it. Church, when Jesus sees your physical decay and suffering, when Jesus sees your emotional battles with depression and shame, when Jesus sees your struggle with guilt from your sins and sins committed against you, he does not hold you at a distance and ignore you because of your lowliness compared to His holiness. Instead, you and I have a Savior, a great healer, whose heart is filled with mercy and compassion. Or you and I have a Savior and a great healer who becomes lowly himself down to even in the form of a man to know all your suffering, to know all your pain, to know all your tears more perfectly than you and I will ever will in our lifetime. And he directs his loving gaze to you so that in the middle of your pain and suffering, you can find comfort and healing, knowing that, in the words of the Puritan John Flavel, as God did not at first choose you because you were high, he will not forsake you because you are low. Your life present visitors, he sees you, he knows you, he chose you and he loves you, and he will not forsake you. Even now, no matter what you may be dealing with in your physical pain, emotional distress, spiritual paralysis, and crippledness, he will not forsake you. Brings us to our next point, the miracle. Read with me verses 5 through 8 one more time. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and enter the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. I know that it's hard to visualize this miracle that just took place, but try to imagine with me for a moment here. Many Commentators would say that even if it was possible, and even with all the modern medicine and operations, the healing of this lame man would have taken years of physical therapy, surgeries, and even more years of healing and rehab just to gain strength on his, uh, on his legs, to even just stand on his own. But what we see here as Peter turns to the man and heals him in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Luke, who was actually a medical doctor himself who wrote this book, he records that immediately the man's feet and ankles were made strong. You see, all the potential years of surgery and rehab just to stand, just to gain strength, all the muscle that's been atrophied over 40 years and more, boom, immediately strengthened, healed a miracle. You see, the man here first hesitates when Peter tells him to get up and walk because not only has he never done it, that's not what he asked for. Right? He, all he wanted was silver and gold like any other day, so Peter grabs him by the hand, helps him up, and before you know it, he's standing on his own two feet, taking one step at a time like a little baby, learning how to walk for the first time, and then he starts walking a little bit faster, and starts running, and then jumping, and leaping for joy and praising God. I wanna ask a question here, friends. What is the purpose of all these healing miracles that we've been studying for the past month of May. And a commentator, Daryl Bach, would say that miracles are visual acts that points us to a deeper reality. And especially the healing miracles of the Bible really teach us that our greatest need isn't the physical, but the spiritual. In other words, healing miracles can reflect the way in which you and I need not just the physical healing, which we all do, but most importantly, Spiritual healing. If you remember when Pastor Andrew kicked off this series with the miracle of the ten lepers and also the healing of Naaman in 2 Kings two weeks ago, they point to our spiritual leprosy of being unclean due to your sins and mine before the eyes of God. The miracle of the blind man in Mark chapter 8 from last week points us to our spiritual blindness caused by our sins and the miracle of the paralytic, similar to our story today in Mark 2, points us to our spiritual Crippledness and lameness and paralysis. So, again, the question is what is today's miracle of the lame man teaching you and I this morning? What deeper spiritual reality is it pointing us to? Read with me verse 5 again, and he says this, and he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But now that this man has the attention of the Apostle Paul, uh, Peter and John, The cripple now is so sure that they're going to give him silver and gold. That's all he needs. That's all he's ever needed. And he survived this long with silver and gold and life's been fine. But what does Peter say? When the man asks for silver and gold, Peter says, I have no silver and gold. And at this point, the cripple is probably frowning. Disappointment floods his heart. But then he hears Peter saying, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up. You see, the cripple gets something totally different than what he expected, something he never even asked for, and this, friends, is a deeper spiritual reality that I believe God is teaching us here this morning about this miracle in our lives. You and I, in our sins, are spiritually crippled and paralyzed to know what we most deeply and truly need. Let me say that again. You and I, in our sins, are spiritually paralyzed, spiritually crippled, to know what we most deeply and truly need in our lives. You see, what this lame man was looking for compared to what he received was too superficial, too short-sighted, and it's the same for you and me. What you often look for and pray for in this life may be also too superficial and shallow. What you might be asking for is fine just like the man asking for silver and gold was fine but just as god taught the cripple sometimes god gives god doesn't give you what you want or ask for because instead he gives to you something much deeper what you actually and most truly need in your life because sisters and brothers in our spiritual lameness we're just like that man and we think only if i can have silver and gold i'll never be unhappy if only i have x i'll never be unhappy again Or we think, if only I have this much money to pay for my kids' college, to buy my dream car, to buy my home, I'll never be unhappy again. If only I have some extra time and resource to travel the world and go on dream vacations, I'll never be unhappy again. If only I can get married or have a more understanding and loving and patient spouse, I'll never be unhappy again. God, if only our church was better at this and that, I'll never be unhappy. And church, even if God gave to you what you've been wanting and praying for, how long will your happiness last? Or look at this cripple, for example, in our passage. He received something more than he ever asked for, something he never even imagined possible, probably something he's been praying for and wanting his entire life. He's able to stand on his own, walk on his own, leap and jump and run by himself for the first time in 40-plus years, and he's probably thinking, I'll never be unhappier. Right, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, John. This is all I ever needed and wanted in my life. I can stop being a beggar. I can work. I can hopefully create a new family. I'll be accepted into the temple and into community. But you and I both know, friends, even with two very healthy legs, happiness doesn't last. Because, church, some of us have a lot of money and still deal with anxiety and stress, and insecurities. Some of us have traveled the world and have gone on dream vacation and still feel this emptiness in our hearts. Some of us have found our soulmate and spouse, and you and I know that it's far from happily ever after. Some of us have committed to this church, thinking you finally found a church to call home, only to be disappointed by the leaders, the culture, and the community of this church. And what God is revealing to you through this miracle deep inside your heart is that none of the surface-level physical realities, as good as it may be, that we ask for on this side of glory can give you the true happiness that you and I are longing for. And God knew, friends, that this cripple would be so happy and able to live the life he never lived before after this healing miracle. But God also knew that that wouldn't be enough. In only a span of 10, 20 years, he would die. So God gave him something more permanent and real what the cripple actually needed which was his salvation. Read with me verses 8 and 9. And leaping up he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them. Walking and leaping and praising God and all the people saw him walking and praising God. You see Luke here specifically mentioned that this man for the first time in 40 plus years not only stood up and walked but he entered into the presence of God in the temple. And it records twice that this man was praising God. My friends, God gave this man not only restoration of his legs, but a restoration of his soul. God not only gave him a cure to his lameness, but a cure to his spiritual lameness. God restored and healed him, not only for the rest of this short life on this side of glory, but he healed him for the rest of his eternal life. And what this miracle is teaching us today is that just like he did with that crippled man, what God gives to you and me is far deeper than silver and gold. It's far deeper than physical healing and deeper than anything else that we can ever ask for. Because in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, if you put your faith in that name, what he gives to you is grace, forgiveness, forgiveness, restoration spiritual wholeness and an unbreakable communion with your great healer you see he gives to you salvation that no suffering no sickness no lameness no death can ever undo that is a true and better miracle but there is no other miracle than that can bring you salvation from your deepest longings and broken desires of your heart there's no other miracles that can save you from sickness and suffering, salvation from sin, salvation from death, than the miracle of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And Tim Keller said it best, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said that the biggest miracle in the history of mankind was God becoming a man, to become killable, nailable, spearable crucifiable for all those who are suffering, not only physically, but with spiritual lameness like you and me. Brings us to our last and final point, the result. What is the result of this miracle or the result of God's salvation for the spiritually lame like you and me here this morning? It's hope. Friends, God knows that you're going to suffer. He knows you are suffering. He said it himself in John 16, in this world, you will have tribulation. But when you receive by faith this miracle of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and the work of reconciliation with God and his forgiveness and mercy, when you receive Jesus as your great healer, the result, friends, is the unwavering hope that will help you to navigate through all the suffering, all the sickness, all the longings and all the broken desires of your life right now. Because it's one thing to have the stock or the crypto market crash and take a hit on your finance, but if your core identity, if your ultimate hope is in money, it's going to devastate you. It's one thing to have your reputation tainted and lose your followers, lose your clout, but if your ultimate hope and identity is in your name and your fame, going to throw you into crisis it's one thing to be sick and it's painful to live through covid to lose a loved one to suffer but if your identity and your hope is bound by just this physical world and health and wealth and the tangible world there is no way that you and i can even begin to endure and navigate through any suffering on this life And that's why when you put your faith in the name of Jesus as your great healer, friends, he gives to you true and living and lasting hope. You see, for the people watching this lame man leap like a deer, praising God, as good Bible readers, they would have known that it was referring back to Isaiah chapter 35, verses 5 and 6. Isaiah prophesied, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Or this prophecy in Isaiah is a picture of Garden of Eden restored to his pre-fall, to his pre-sin beauty where there is no such thing as disease, no such thing as deformity or in suffering where one day all of the brokenness and sickness and heartaches and death will be done away with. You see, one of the results of the fall in Genesis 3 with Adam and Eve in the garden was sickness Suffering and death. Your broken wrist while you skate, your stomach ache, your ongoing migraines, your cancer diagnosis, being immunocompromised, COVID, death, even senseless killings at our schools. They're not normal, but they don't belong here, and you can blame sin for it. And the good news is, friends, that Jesus came to pay the penalty of sin that brought all of your sickness, all of your suffering, and all of the brokenness in this world. But it doesn't mean, as you may well know, that when you believe in Jesus and put your faith in him that you're gonna be healed right away. Maybe God can, or that you'll suffer less. But what it does mean is that the cause of your sickness, the cause of your hurts and pain, the cause of all your suffering has been dealt with once and for all on the cross, and eventually, just like Isaiah's prophecy, you will be healed. You will be restored with new and perfect resurrected bodies. You see, Jesus' death and resurrection is the most powerful evidence that God hates suffering more than you do. He utterly hates all the sickness, all the suffering, all the disruptions and pains of this world, so he sent his only Son, to die on the cross, to restore the natural order back to what it used to be. You see, God's miracles, friends, including today's miracle, and all the miracles that we've seen for the past month are all about pointing us to the end of all things, where there's no more headaches, no more cancer, no more COVID, no more relational conflicts, no more depression, no more need for hospitals and insurance, no more funerals and death. When the blind will see, the deaf will hear and the lame will leap. So sisters and brothers, this miracle in today's passage and all the other miracles, again, it points us to a deeper reality of the future day when Jesus will return in glory. It reminds you that suffering and pain and sickness and death is not the way it's supposed to be. It reminds you that God didn't create suffering or death. It reminds you that he hates your suffering more than you do. It promises you that this world full of brokenness is not the end of story. As commentator Derek Thomas writes, what we can conclude is that miracles of this kind provide us with a glimpse of the world to come. There are signs of the recreated order of things to those who experience disability in this world. There is the promise that in the world to come, they will enjoy the liberty and the blessing of a new body. In our resurrection bodies, every last trace of what sin has done to us will be gone forever as you come to a close how do you know that this is true for you as you walk out these doors and enter a world full of brokenness and suffering and pain read with me hebrews chapter 13 11 and 12 this is how we know for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. If you remember, the cripple in our passage was always laid outside the gate because he was a damaged good. You and I are damaged goods in our sins when God looks at us. In our sins, there was no way that we could have access to God and enter into the temple of God's presence We were left outside the presence of God to just accept our suffering, accept our death, just like that crippled man. But God, friends, in his mercy, sent his only son to become lowly and marginalized and degraded. Jesus, who deserved to be in the most inner part of the presence of God, to be cast outside the gate and suffer outside on the cross, so that you and I may enter into the temple gates, into the presence of God, with no barriers No restrictions and find restoration, healing, and a living hope. So, dear New Life Press family and visitors, in all the suffering you face today, in all the physical toll, the emotional damage, the mental distress that you have gone through, that you are going through, and that you will go through once you exit these doors. I pray that in the middle and the deepest valley of your pain and your spiritual paralysis and lameness, that you would heed the words of the the Apostle Peter and place your faith in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The same Jesus who is able to lift up his people from the depths of pain. The same Jesus who has paid the penalty of sin that brought all of your suffering. The same Jesus who can not only heal, but also save. And as John Newton said, how sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, and it drives away his fear. Let's pray. Our gracious and merciful and healing Father, we thank you so much for your word today. We thank you for the good news. That Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we can find not only healing and restoration, but salvation for eternity, Lord. That, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that we can be in the most horrendous and horrific pain and suffering and brokenness of this world, and though our bodies may decay and fail, that we can know for certainty that, Lord, our soul will be with you. And when you return in glory that we will have new and perfect and restored, resurrected bodies, and that we can see you face-to-face, our great healer. So, God, I pray that as we exit these doors today and go into our daily lives, Father, in the midst of suffering and brokenness, that you would give us and remind us of the promise of the living hope that we have in the name of Jesus, in whose name we pray.